Hi, Rav Judy here with Masechet Makot, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Tet. This Mishnah picks up on the notion that we had in the prior Mishnah about groups of Adim, groups of witnesses, coming together and the, the warning that is given. Uh, it's focused primarily on the notion of what makes witnesses into one group. Uh, we had noted earlier that if a lot of witnesses come, but they come in pairs, or they come in threes or fours, those can all be separate groups with the, I don't know if you call it an advantage, but the feature that if a witness is puzzle within a group, the whole group goes down. But if they are not one huge group, but rather many small groups, then there are other groups of witnesses that have come to testify. Now, this mission says, So, let's imagine a case, the, the, they're witnessing Ruvain murder Shimon. Um, there are witnesses A and B are at one window of the building watching, unfortunately, watching the murder or watching whatever the crime is. I'm just picking this for dramatic purposes. A and B are at one window. C and D are at another window of the same building. And E is the matra boba emsa. E is the, the warner. The warner is the person who says, and as we'll find out a little bit more in a coming Mishnah, uh, in order to be uh, held liable, for example, for the death penalty and other crimes, one needs to actually have someone there saying, excuse me, um, that's actually forbidden, and it's forbidden on this basis, and if you do that, the following is the is the punishment. They have to be fully warned in the moment to make sure that they are completely clearly thinking about what they're doing and fully responsible for it. So you have E, the matra, who's down somewhere in the middle. So what do we say? Are these two pairs of witnesses? There's witness pair A and B together. That's the first group. And there's a separate pair of witnesses called C and D. Uh, or are they one larger group? So If they can see each other, let's say the building is curved or they're, they're from windows. If, if the building is, uh, you know, has a, a 90 degree angle in it, it's just you know, built in that kind of way. And they can see each other. They can see the crime, but they can also see each other or at least some of them can see each other, meaning A can see... D. Uh, that sounds weird because C is also, I mean, S-E-E can, can envision, can sight D. The point is that A and B, one of them can, has a sight line to be able to see C and D. So, uh, they can, if some of them can see some of them, they're considered one group. Um, and if not, then they're considered two separate testimonies. Gemara raises the issue of the one in the middle, E, that if they even can't see each other, but they can both see E. I mean, they, they can't see. They're on one flat wall of a building behind windows, and they're not sticking their heads out the window, but they can see the person down on the ground who's saying, don't do it, then that would also count. Uh, there are all kinds of other issues that come up in the Gemara about if, uh, you know, that they have to actually see the crime together. They can't have one person sticking their head out the window and then say, hey, quick, you should look also. They have to actually see it this, uh, at the same moment. But that having been said, they would be considered one grouping. But Imlav, if they can't see each other and they can't see the matra, E, the warner in the middle, they're considered two separate testimonies. What's the impact of that? What would happen? So let's say it turned out that A and B, who claimed to have been there to see this, turned out that they couldn't have been there. They were in Belgium that day. But C and D did see it. But A and B testified that they had seen it. What's going to end up happening is that A and B are Zomem. They're put to death because they were trying to dish out murder to Ruvain. 
But C&D actually saw Ruvain kill Shimon. He actually is a murderer. So Ruvain also gets put to death. So A and B are put to death as Zomamin because they couldn't have known what they were testifying. Ruvain is put to death as a murderer because he's a murderer and C and D saw it. This odd language of a Hashnia Petura that C and D are actually putter, implying that there was some question of their guilt, the Gemara basically establishes there's, there's no guilt there. It just means that C and D are, are normal witnesses. Rabiosi maintains there's no such thing as E, the warner, some separate party who's there saying don't do it. Rather, the fact is that the, the one giving the warning has to be the witnesses themselves. Uh, we have a similar concept in Sanhedrin that the witnesses are the ones who put the, uh, the murderer to death, for example, who take action. Here it has to be the witnesses themselves who say don't do it, and then they watch the person do it anyway. So it has to be the witnesses who are giving the warning. Shanamar, as the Pasuk says in Devarim, Alpishnaim Edim, according to the mouth of two witnesses. It's talking there about conviction, but it also means at the mouth of that they have to be the ones warning. And a different interpretation of this is Devaracher, Alpishnaim Edim, another interpretation of according to the words of two witnesses, Shalotehe Sanhedrin Shomat Mipia Turgaman. The Sanhedrin is not allowed to hear through a, an interpreter. They have to be able to understand the witnesses in their native tongue. From here we get the idea that's uh, brought up elsewhere, particularly, I think, in the seventh parak of Sota, but other sugas, that the Sanhedrin were polyglots, uh, that they knew many, many languages, because they had to hear testimony in the language that was being offered so as not to have any mistakes. They did not necessarily have to be fluent in speaking the language, they did have to be fluent in understanding the language so that they could hear from the witnesses exactly what the witnesses wanted to say and understand it. Um, I have vivid recall as a fourth or fifth grader, we, uh, we had to go to our, our town hall and listen in on court cases for some sort of a, a project about government. And I remember that there was an Israeli involved in a case, and uh, and there was a, a, a translator there who was translating. And I remember the judge telling the translator, do not under any circumstances give any advice. You are only to translate what I say and translate what the person says, the Israeli says, about uh, what happened in the case, but you're not to interpolate or, you know, insert anything. And I remember sitting there as a fourth or fifth grader with you know, some degree of Hebrew knowledge, thinking like, oh, wow, this could be my moment. It says, your honor, they're advising the uh, the defendant or the prosecutor, whatever it is. But uh, nothing like that happened. Actually, they were quite honest and said exactly what was being said.